back, and we back with a bang. It's the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. And you know we back with the Pro Wrestling Edition. No, not sports entertainment in this house. The Pro Wrestling Edition back in the midst of WrestleMania season. Back to get you fired up. Maybe inject you along the way, of course, with another dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, what they used to call me, the... The name that runs the game, what, the, the, the mask that does weird things with the cast. Either way, still the voice that you hear. Ready to pick up your spirits, or will we, as we close in? We're in almost single digits to April 7th. Get close. WrestleMania 35. All about the WWE this week, Kurt Angle. As the revolution continues <laughs> to... Lay silently under the weeds as WWE gets closer to their big moment. Uh, Reminder, as always, five stars. That's all I got to say. Five stars, all right? You get us to 500 reviews. Maybe we'll have a big surprise for you. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying. We got some things planned for Mania Week you may like. We got some things coming. Amp us up. Ramp us up. 500 reviews. Get out there. Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Wherever you download and consume and enjoy. Fine audio don't make me keep playing sounds like this and the ultimate thrill ride will be your last ride i hope that's the last ride for taker at mania last year i hope so anyway uh no reason to fool around here we're gonna get right into it here comes that other guy say hello to the bad guy He's the world's most favorite baby face. He never hedged. Not crusty at all. He's a be- he's positive. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, BC. I am really excited for WrestleMania. Like, really? It's, it's coming in. Yes. Well, because for me, it's I'm bra- I'm continue. I'm combining it with a vacation in New York. And then I'm going to the Masters the week after. So I have this three-week period of greatness that I am excited to begin. And it all starts, you know, with the road to WrestleMania, which is coming up real quick. Uh, And I'm starting to feel it on WWE TV, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. I'm ready. Feel that, Adam. I'm Gable. Let's go. Feel all of that. I will say in general, if you take my temperature on, on WrestleMania, I'm fired up. I think that this card on paper as it stands right now is, is, is pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Has a lot of what I like to call organic babyface potential for big moments. I love that. There are some matches that don't seem to matter in the top five that really could move us. So I'm pumped up for that. Not too pumped up for this week's Raw and SmackDown and how that affected my mania temperature. We will get into that, of course, at length in the main event. But when you add in NXT, which I'm I'm behind on currently, we'll, we'll also get into that. Been been pretty busy lately. But this takeover, I don't read a lot of spoilers. I certainly don't like to read spoilers during mania season. But a brethren on this show, CBS Sports' own Jack Crosby, sent me a uh, Slack message at him that said, Hey, look, I'm not trying to spoil your experience. But have you seen the current card for TakeOver as it stands right now? And Adam, no. I won't spoil it no. for you. I won't spoil it for the listeners. I, Like I said, I'm behind on NXT as it is. But I did break free from the free spoiler zone. 
and I checked out what that takeover card is looking like April 5th, Friday night, Brooklyn. Wow. 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 Feel that. Find wow. Find the drop. Feel Find that. the drop. Can't Spoiler alert, it friggin' rules. Thank you, and trips we trust. Wow, Paul. I know I know a total of one match on the NXT TakeOver card, and because it's already been announced on TV, you have to remember, not only are we trying to stay spoiler-free for WrestleMania, I am always spoiler-free no, for no, NXT. No, no, well, you, you did a weird thing this week. You put out a tweet that's like, well, folks, you know I'm always spoiler-free on Raw, which is ridiculous because it's a live show. There's no such thing as spoiler-free. And then you didn't even pop the spoiler. You didn't even say what's going to well, happen. I tried you... not to. I just tried to, to express my, uh, you know, disenfranchisement with one of the storylines that they have going here. Disappointment is really well. It's, better, it's time for an word. intervention. Hey, Silver King Raw is a live product every Monday night for the last twenty six years. It's not a spoiler if you tweet about it live as it's happening. Yeah, but it's not sports. It's entertainment. And just like a Game of Thrones, you I hate when people go on Twitter and talk about everything that just happened on that episode when some people watch it the next day because it's on Sunday night. It's on demand for people. You got to give it a couple days. No. So, yes, you I have try. to make that decision. I try to, I try to live what I preach and, and not spoil Raw and SmackDown when they're live. When I do tweet during it, it's usually very vague. But in that one instance, as I said, I, I prefaced it. I had to because I was so upset. I was so angry. And you know what? The, the truth. I think Silver King got a little worked in that moment anyway. So we're going to find out about that. We will talk about it later on this the show. The truth is, if you like a product, whether it's Game of Thrones, whether it's The Damn Wire, whether it's whatever you're into, and you're not watching it live, it's on you, brother. It's on you no, to avoid. No, you, no that's, that's bull. Because that's if, not bull. If you watch Game of Thrones, okay, and the show ends at 11 p.m. Eastern, right? And at 11.02, someone, you're, one of your friends, you were out, you have to come home, you have to do something. So one of your friends tweets, I can't believe Jon Snow died. You're going to be like, what the hell, man? That's ridiculous. So no, no, no it's the same no. thing with WWE. You need to avoid the damn internet if that's what you're trying oh, to yeah, do there. Oh, yeah, in 2019, we're going to avoid the internet. That's what's in happen. 2019, you got to prioritize what's important to you. And if, and if Game of Thrones isn't in your top two for that night, you can't be on Twitter, Silver King. That's the bottom line. But if there's Game of Thrones and an NFL game at the exact same time, and I, I mean, it's probably not, but uh, Game of Thrones and another major sporting event at the same time, and me as a sports writer has to be on Twitter working, and then someone drops in my feed, Jon Snow died. So that's why, during Mon especially during Monday Night Football, no raw spoilers. Wow, you can spoil Adam at Silverstein Adam on Twitter anytime you want, as long as it's live. But Adam, it's and you, not and just... You can tell, and you can tell Brian Campbell that the Silver King is right all the time at B. Campbell CBS on Twitter, and you can also follow both of us, this podcast, the Boxing Podcast, and the MMA Podcast at State of Combat. How about you guys shut the F up and let me talk for a Yeah, minute, how about right? we do that here? Um, it's, it's, it's mania season, Adam. It's March, but it's also March madness season. And I know, Adam, when you're walking around the hallways of Fort Lauderdale CBS office, you want to win that office bracket. You want the bragging rights. It's a no-brainer. Well, Adam, not only you, but our State of Combat listeners, listen up, because Sportsline can help you with those sought-after office bragging rights last year their optimal bracket finished in the top five percent of cbs sports brackets and called villanova winning it all just like the silver king claiming he's calling every wwe turn and swerve no they called nova winning it all and 
their upset bracket called 12 of 18 first round upsets by double digit seeds the past three years. So here's what you got to do. All right. Buckle up, head on over to sportsline.com slash brackets for the insight you need to win. And State of Combat listeners, check this out. You can sign up for Sportsline using the promo code FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, FIGHT, and you'll get your first month for just $1. Yes, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, a dime and a nickel, $1, sportsline.com slash brackets. Hey, it's time for you to be able to brag like the Silver King does every week that you're the best in the world at what you do. All right, are we done selling things? Florida over Nevada, round one. That's the upset pick. Uh, I'm out of I'm out of college basketball at the moment. You can't pull me back in. All right. Once the Big East died, a part of me died on the inside. It came right? back. It's There's not a back. It's it's not what it. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, what else we got? That's it. That's it. All right. It's time. It's mania season. It's time. Let's do that. You ready for this? Main event time. Let's go. BC, we're going to start off with the end of SmackDown Live, featured a gauntlet match with Kofi Kingston going over, well, basically everyone that WWE had to offer on that you know, brand, maybe with the exception of Shinsuke Nakamura, but this guy beat both members of the bar, Eric Rowan, granted to be a disqualification, Samoa Joe, and Randy Orton, only to find out he had to win one more match in order to make his way to WrestleMania, and of course that was Daniel Bryan. He took the knee. He lost. Um, I got to tell you, it was quite a ride for me on Tuesday night watching this gauntlet match, BC. I'm really curious. Do you feel the same way? Congratulations. You played yourself. Uh, no, I do not feel the same way. What kind of crap is this? I, I was having a positive babyface run to WrestleMania, and then I get this thrown at me. It's lazy booking. I don't care how many times you're going to set up Kofi to have to do the impossible. You're telling the 2014 Daniel Bryan storyline, which we teased and talked about the last few weeks, all over again. And you're telling it lazily. And what I mean by that is I know in the end, Kofi didn't end up winning it. But why the hell would he have to go through that? Which was so predictable that he was going to go through that. So even though there were elements of each of those mini matches that were great. And you know what was great, Adam? Great Everyone backstage popping for Kofi like like they were waiting in on Selection Sunday to find out if their team got the call. Like, popping for him. Great. But it's insanely predictable that he's going to run that gauntlet. And the swerve of then giving away your WrestleMania match, but giving away a bastardized version of it because Kofi just oh, re- wrestled for on. an hour, but then playing with our emotions not in a good way that Kofi might win twice during that run, but in a bad way because it's like if he just runs through the entire roster again, then what story are we telling here? How can this guy be the ultimate underdog if every time you roll out an Elimination Chamber or a SmackDown Gauntlet match from last month or one this Tuesday, that Kofi can be everybody on no rest while in between all the heels come in like Samoa Joe and give him extra beatings. It's now not only a lazy carbon copy of 2014 Daniel Bryan, it's now becoming not believable to see veteran old Kofi, who's a part of a three-member tag team, suddenly is the biggest single star and can beat everybody, including Samoa Joe. One time maybe, Adam, one night maybe, where he just has this epic run to remind you how great he is, but from a kayfabe point of view, this is hot trash. 
not feeling it, not loving it, not enjoying it, yeah, payoff may be great. I don't need to see a WrestleMania match on Tuesday night. No. You are so wrong. Like, literally everything you said is incorrect. Here's why. If, if this was against anyone else except Daniel Bryan, I might agree with you. The whole point of this is it's the Daniel Bryan storyline against Daniel Bryan. This guy who's a shell of his former self in terms of what he stood for, what he represented. He cut the promo on Kofi. Again, now this time verbalizing, calling him a B-plus player. And let's go back to those other matches you're talking about. Kofi lost Elimination Chamber. He lost the other gauntlet match. This is the first situation that he's been put in where he actually won. And yes, he beat the bar, beating either of those guys individually. I mean, we like them, right? And they're talented. That doesn't mean much. He beat Rowan by disqualification. So he had two big wins. One was a roll-up of Randy Orton, which is believable. And he beat Samoa Joe. Adam, he wrestled for 55 minutes. And this is the third time they've done this angle in the last month of him having to beat so many people in a row. But he lost the other ones. He didn't reach that mountain. Okay, but it's tired. It's tired at this point for the third time to see him run through your entire roster. You don't think it's believable. You don't think it's believable that someone, and this happens in sports all the time, in real sports, you don't think it's believable that someone who's never gone on a rocket run can do that. Yeah, one time. I just said one night. If this was a one night storyline. No, 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 I'm saying no, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying a run to a title or a run to a championship or a run to an MVP award. I mean, these things happen in sports where guys who are not mediocre cuz Kofi was oh, never mediocre, but above average their entire career suddenly have a ridiculous season or a ridiculous month or a ridiculous two months. And that's what Kofi's currently doing. That's the storyline that they're telling. Is it a little bit exaggerated? A little? Yeah, but it has to be because they didn't anticipate doing this. They didn't have the time to build this guy up to this position because he subbed in for Mustafa Ali, caught absolute fire, and they decided to run with it on WrestleMania season. But let's not act like WWE doesn't do this. They did it with Jinder Mahal, hot-shotting him to the title, basically cheating to win all these matches. Exactly. He cheated to win individual matches. They did it with Carmella, okay? They've done it with Jack Swagger when they brought him back with the We the People gimmick. They do this in WrestleMania season. The difference is this is a guy who's on the roster, who fans are behind, and BC. No, Adam. It's wrestling. You suspend disbelief a little bit. but the difference between every single thing you just mentioned is none of those wrestlers— did this three consecutive times in a month, which is be beat down extra and worn down and he wrestle. lost the first two. It's a, but doesn't matter. He got to the end. He beat everybody to get to the end. And so it's a, it's it's lazy. I get so the elimination chamber. He didn't beat everyone. He outlasted. That's different. Okay, I get the irony of of doing back to, to Dana Bryan what was done to Dana Bryan. I get that. But I think they've, they've played themselves in how they've they've executed this out. How close are we to Mania right now? What is it? 15, 16 days, Kofi storyline-wise still isn't in that match. Yeah, but you're you're also forgetting the fact that Vince pulled him from, like, those other two matches that he had where you're saying that should have been enough, in storyline it was enough. He had a title match at Fastlane. Vince pulled him from the match. The storyline is not necessarily only about Kofi overcoming these things, which is a big part of it. It's about Vince McMahon screwing him. And there are, I'm not saying it's an angle, about you can play the clip if you want, quote unquote, racism in WWE, but there is a tinge of a 
of a a guy being held back for reasons beyond his control in this storyline that I think by simply by simplifying it and saying it's only about him overcoming these odds it, it's not just that it's why are these odds in his face why does he have to keep going mountain over mountain why is it that he almost won an, an elimination chamber almost won a gauntlet match and got a title match and still had it pulled out from under him so Yes, it's a long road for him to take. It's obstacles that he w- – that if it was Steve Austin overcoming these obstacles, you wouldn't be surprised because Austin's a main eventer and a top-shelf guy and Kofi's not. But that's because Kofi was never booked that way. So I just don't have nearly as much of a problem with it as you do. I accept the points you're making, but it's WrestleMania season. Like, are we really going to nitpick that? Yeah, because this could have been done so differently. If they planned it. They didn't even plan. with the last minute nature of it. So their last minute idea is to just go back to the Daniel Bryan storyline and keep doing the same thing over again. Uh, look, if they're going to play out the racism angle, if that's the way they're going to go, which is smart right now. But let, let's say racial, not not racism. But there's racial. no racism in the World Wrestling Federation. Right. Have not, will not. And that's yeah. the bottom line, Vince. OK, that's fine. But what's next? Uh, Yapapai Indian strap match against Hogan. Well, let me see if I can. Give me an opportunity to change your mind about this angle, okay? After this ended on TV, on Twitter, WWE posted a promo. And, you know, I think it's like two and a half, three minutes, but it is with Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Biggie. It's their immediate reaction to what happened on TV with Daniel Bryan, Vince McMahon, etc. I'm very curious to see if you change your opinion after you hear this. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not even surprised. I'm not even surprised. Of course, of course Vince brought somebody else to fight you because there was never any chance for you to actually win. It doesn't matter. He no, beat five, they bring out another five. Exactly. He beat those ten, he'd bring out another five. I'm telling you, after an over an hour in the gauntlet, he did it once, he did it again. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The they glass ceiling is still there. He'll punch through that glass ceiling. They Cole, you'll punch through that glass they ceiling. Cole, he'll put another one there. This, it doesn't matter. What else? What, what else have we done here? What, what more? Happens. What more do we have to do here? Every time you get a shot, there's hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. You put your life on the line. You put your body on the line. You put everything on the line for 11 years. That's no loyalty given back to you. What more do you have? That is your reward, Cole. What happened tonight? That is the reward. 11 years. Why are we doing this anymore? Cole? There's no reason, Cole. You've done a lot in your career. There is absolutely no reason that should happen. So, matter of fact, you know what? I think we should quit. Honestly, if, I, if I'm being honest, I think we should hey, quit. honestly, you've done a lot here. I, I, I agree. I think we should quit, too. No, that, that, that's not that We've done everything we can here. Kofi. Everything we can. He, Vince McMahon showed it himself. That's as high as you're going to get. Yeah. That's it, Kofi. And that's the man And it's charge. not you. It's not you because you showed everything. Exactly. You showed how good you are on a weekly basis. Yeah. This last month, for 11 years, you showed it every night. And this is it. This is the casino. And this is them telling us you can't beat the house. That's exactly what they want. Everybody I don't understand. And they're using you. They're using us as an example to show that. So if they're going to do that, that's the loyalty Cole, that they show for all this time. Let's, let's go home, Kofi. You got kids. It's not like we you don't have other skills. Let's go home. That's why we're so important because we can hey, do everything enough, else. Just, hey, that's why they love us so it. much. Think about it. You can go home. You can see your kids, man. On a weekly basis. Think about it. Why, what are we doing? Trust, trust me. Think about, trust, trust think about me. Trust, trust me, think when, about I, trust me think. when I tell you, man. I've been doing this for 11 years, man. I understand. I understand. I, I feel like I've done everything the right way. I've done everything by the book. Of course you have. You have. Mountain. You have. You've done it all. Find another mountain at the top of a mountain. You know what I'm saying? They put and then you're going to put another mountain on exactly. top of that. That's what it is. You climb that mountain, they'll put another mountain on top trust of that. It doesn't end. You. I get it. But if we quit, then Vince wins. Then Daniel Bryan wins, man. We can't quit. 
Not like this. Come on. Man. I know. I, I know. I, I know. Emotions are high, man. Emotions are running high right now. I think we need to just take some time and and, and figure it out. Yeah. You know? I, but, I, but I need to get out of this building first and foremost. Man. Right. I, I need to get out of this building. It's worth thinking about, man. Yeah. That's all, we can it? go home. And, you got like, kids. You got a wife. You got a family. I've been doing this since I was seventeen. That's so a long time, man. You I love work? this. I love this. But if it's not going to love me back, I can't be in that relationship anymore. Let's, 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 on, let's talk. Let's talk. Fine. Let's go. Let's talk here. Come on. Uh, I got you. Good. Come on. You got him. I got the jet. Get out of this place. All right. How do you feel about that? I mean, certainly that's story. That's nuance. But again, WWE, why is that not closing SmackDown? That could have been a big moment to close SmackDown. The three of them backstage, angry, distraught. You're teasing the whole, you're never going to get over on Vince, maybe because of race thing. But you're putting that on social media. Adam, what percentage of people that watch SmackDown are going to find this clip in your, in your eyes? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because, I mean, that's not just on Twitter. You know, it's on YouTube, et cetera. I don't know. Like, the, the, the truth is the ratings aren't so high that it's not plausible that as many see it, but different people, maybe. Um, I'm like 15% or, in my head. No, 20% I think it's more maybe. than that. I think it's more than that, but your, your point is correct, though. That should be on TV. These That's a missing are... plot hole right there. That's a giant. It is. Ball. And it here's is. the deal. I think they need to go all in on the race thing. Even if they're not using racial or racism or that term, I think you need to go all in because here's the difference. When Daniel Bryan did this same storyline in 2014 and you had Triple H instead of Vince being the hurdle, it was organic because it was the fans fighting against WWE to make it happen. It was a real-life thing that got in the way of whatever storyline they had. This has elements of that, but instead of this being organic, it's WWE going back to a trope and going back to something that used to work and just trying to do it again. If you made it more about the race, it would be its own separate thing. Yeah, and I still think doing they can't do that. OK, though. then I still think doing three separate long ass gauntlet type matches where a guy who's a aging tag team member and not a killer singles guy can go on a run like that is just not working into the storyline again. But again, but again, you have to remember, though, that the initial gauntlet match, at least according to reports, if you want to believe them, the initial gauntlet match was originally from Mustafa Ali to either win or show out well and maybe do the same to get a match at Fastlane against Daniel Bryan, who was going to fight Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. So it, the person who won those matches, or not who won, who, who showed out really well in those matches, was not supposed to be at WrestleMania. But what WWE decided to do, they had Kofi in that role, they realized that he was so hot that they'd be doing themselves a disservice to have him go to Fastlane, lose that match, and then have Kevin Owens be in the WrestleMania match. So they didn't plan it this way. They're just doing the best they can at this point, to get from when they made that decision, when Vince came out and pulled him out of the match, to Mania. And I agree, putting an exact gauntlet match in front of him maybe wasn't the best booking. Maybe it, would it, maybe it was you have to beat the bar two-on-one, the, the match that he lost, and then you have to do this. You, you get more creative, you do something different. But I'm not going to blame them for that when the gauntlet match that he was in was so damn good and the match on Tuesday was so damn good. But you are right. It would have been nice if that match was like the midpoint of the show and maybe they did the KO segment at the end or they did something else at the end of the show 
And then right before they went off the air, they had they aired the promo that you just heard to close SmackDown with them walking out of the arena. Right, because there's genius in that. The idea that his friends are saying, just quit. It'll never work. And you got this optimistic guy that's like, no, the way to, to beat Vince is to beat Vince. And we're going to figure out a way. And I don't mean to be the spare tire here on the road to mania where it's like, oh, BC is going to die on this hill. Because look, from a macro level, what you just said is right on. WWE, potentially, if this is all true, had different plans for Brian, heard the crowd's reaction to Kofi in a last-minute situation, and has now rerouted the road to Mania to give us Brian Kofi. Do I want that more than than anything else? Than Brian KO? Yes. So macro level, I am all in. So I'm not on the micro level going to stay in this puddle too long. But yeah, this week, I, I think I came out with more of a negative taste. Had I seen or heard that promo, though, to be honest with you, to close the show, I think it would have repaired a lot of what I yeah. didn't like. And that's an issue with a lot of WWE is some of the best promo work and some of the best storyline work that the superstars are doing is on social media. WWE needs to fi- – and we've been saying this for a year. They need to figure out a way to get some of these promos on TV. They did it a little bit with Mustafa Ali on 205 Live where they aired portions of it. They do it occasionally on WWE TV when something is just so damn good it's undeniable, right? But so much of the great promo work is unscripted or bullet-pointed. And it's done on this social media platform, and they just don't show the regular audience how good the storyline and booking and talent can be. But BC, here's my question for you. Are you going to be even more upset next week when there's like a takeover of the SmackDown ring with probably not fans because they did that with Daniel Bryan, but maybe that group of superstars that was backstage rooting Kofi on taking over the ring and not allowing the show to continue until Vince McMahon puts Kofi Kingston in a match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? Are you going to be upset if that happens? Uh, if it's done exactly how you said, which, again, is a carbon copy, change a little bit of what we saw five years ago, I'm not going to love it. But it's funny how art imitates life. Uh, twice we, we've interviewed, or I've interviewed the New Day for CBS Sports at Mania, SummerSlam, whatever. And twice, in various reasons, I brought up the funny you know, comparison of like, I think one time was, hey, Big E, why didn't you fight to keep your last name? I forgot what the second one. But each time I used the joking reference of, hey, remember that scene at the end of the great movie, Rudy, where the, where the, the all-American cornerback knocks on the coach's door, comes out and says, if you don't play Rudy this week, I don't play either. Puts his jersey down on the desk and the coach is like, you're a captain and an all-American. Act like one. <laughs> I believe I am. And then one after another, the entire team does the same thing. It's funny that I brought that up twice in joking manners to New Day and we had a little back and forth. If they can recreate something more like that, Adam, not a takeover in the ring, maybe something backstage where the locker room is not just the New Day, but the locker room is standing up for Kofi in that sort of same manner. Somebody pretty up high, not not a jobber, not a mid-carder. But some pretty high up folks and AJ Styles maybe is coming to Vince and be like, look, what the hell are you doing? Yep. Well, you did hear AJ and The Miz this week both mentioned it. Yes. That so was whether, a nice little, nice little. And, uh, and it was on. It was so blatantly on purpose because it had nothing else to do with what they were talking about. They just randomly kind of said, you know, good luck to Kofi. You know, so I don't know if they're going to do it in the ring. And I just have a feeling they're going to. I have a feeling they're really trying to replicate the storyline. And I'm going to like it, as long as it's not all fans. If they do the fan crap again, just like, like they did with the Yes movement, that's an exact re- replication. All right, what if, if they do-, do it this way, it's at least a little bit different with Superstar standing up, maybe sitting down in protest type of situation. But I do like the idea of them, like, one by one going into Vince's office and, like, 
throwing down their knee pads or something and being right, like, how, look. How about this? How about this? Yeah. Tell me if this is too far in doubling down on race. It plays out, like I said, AJ comes in. Everyone comes in, whatever, puts their knee pads down, puts the uh, Kurt Angle comes in and puts something weird down. I don't know, whatever. And Vince's like, get the hell out of my office. No, you know, I run this show, blah, 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 all that, all that stuff. I could play a million Vince sound drops here. And then, you know who comes in? Tony Atlas, Rocky Soul Man Johnson, Booker T, Farouk, Booker T, uh, uh, Bobby Lashley, one after another, <laughs> right? of great African-American stars throughout WWE's history and go, we couldn't be WWE champion. We could only be so far. And they, they huddle around the desk. WWE would never do that, but that they would, would never, be... they would never do that. But here's a simpler version of that. You just have Mark Henry walk into Vince's office. Uh... That's all you need. That's all you need to happen. I got a lot left in the tank. Yeah. Salmon jacket or no? He walks in, slams the door. Vince comes out pink-eyed, and he's like, uh, Kofi's going to wrestle Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. That's all you need. Honestly, it'd be awesome. I would love that. Wow. Wow. All right. All right. All so, right. so look, I'm not going to be the hater here, but if we're getting Kofi and Daniel Bryan as the, let's say, the uh, the mid-card main event at Mania, yeah, we have a lot of potential here for, for babyface yeah. magic. We also have potential for, for Kofi to, to not win the title. There's a lot of things you can do here. And let's not forget also for the legitimate concerns that you brought up, despite me disagreeing with them, the fans in Chicago were all over Kofi. And according to people that were at that show, they chanted for him before the show began and during commercial breaks. So this guy is O-V-E-R over, more so maybe even than Becky Lynch, which we've talked about her getting cooled off and we will talk about that situation a bit later. But it's interesting to kind of see that dynamic of like, wow, they found someone even more organic than Becky, who was the organic star of this WrestleMania season. So I find that very interesting. BC, we have a lot of main event to go. But before we get to it, a quick word from our friends and sponsors. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, BC, we are back. Let's hop over to Raw now. And the person I want to talk about, I think you want to talk about him too, is Drew McIntyre, who went from like a 7 to a 10 in terms of main event elevation in one episode of Monday Night Raw. Not only did he cut a sick promo on Roman Reigns and The Shield, basically saying, hey, Roman, you beat leukemia. You think you can beat me at WrestleMania? That's a line. Then goes out, and yeah, there was a Lesnar distraction but gets a clean one, two, three on Seth Rollins in the main event of the show. What did you think about what Drew McIntyre did on Monday night? 
Uh, I think we're a week late on this, and we did talk about this last week. I think last week Drew McIntyre went from a seven to a ten. Last week was okay. the was the yes, he's finally getting what he deserves. No, he's not going to be in the Andre the Giant Jobber Battle Royal. He's heading toward big business. He doesn't have anybody else weighing him down. This is the push he needs. While that promo certainly strong this Monday night, while him going over Seth Rollins to keep him strong despite the Lesnar interference, I don't hate that either. What I do hate is how we are wasting Brock Lesnar. Last week, not on the show, in the heat of WrestleMania season. Not early, in the midst, in the middle of WrestleMania season. You are not selling the importance of Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for your Universal Championship, which, up until a couple weeks ago, we were still saying, is Vince going to screw the ladies here? Wow, that was that came out the wrong way. I'm sure he has, though. I mean, I don't know if what he did with Sonny in the past, though, but I do know with Brett. Uh, just say for the record, I was not banging Sonny. All right, just for the record. Uh, we were even like, is, does Vince love that, that Lesnar and the UC title so much that he'll put that on last at Mania? Well, I think what happened this week, Adam, tell me if I'm wrong, Lesnar not being on the show last week and then coming back this week, and doing nothing but appearing in the beginning and appearing at the end, refusing physical content, and then just laughing. It's a waste. It's not getting the job done. What I think two weeks in a row they did for me as a fan was severely limit my interest in what the Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar feud is about, what it could be about. When a few weeks ago we were like, man, this thing is going to be great. They have such a great opportunity to tell the story, especially if they use Ambrose and, and Reigns in more of a complementary role to tell that story. What they did this week, even though he wasn't there, was make it all about Roman Reigns, in my opinion. Because Seth Rollins loses. I know it's by a distraction, but he loses. And Drew McIntyre, who's going to be in a feud with Reigns, it, with which, if we're being honest, even though I love the idea and I think the match could be great, this is not a, a, a top five in terms of importance for this WrestleMania card. Yet I think this week they made it feel like Drew McIntyre is the most important thing. Two weeks ago, it was okay. This week, no, it should have been Brock Lesnar is the most important thing. And Seth Rollins, I think, what, what are they doing? Is well, Reigns, they a, because Reigns is back, is he now more important than Lesnar versus Rollins? Well, you don't want me to answer that, but probably. Um, but no, I think, look, this is the number three match on Raw. You know, out of all the all the matches that you, when you lay out the card, SmackDown doesn't really have a women's match. It has Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. And it's number two matches AJ Styles, uh, Randy Orton. It's number three matches The Miz against um, Shane McMahon. So you go to Raw. The number one match is the women's championship. The number two match is Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins. And the number three match they're just developing right now. They haven't really had the opportunity because Reigns just came back is Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. I think it's fine. I think there's still two more weeks until WrestleMania as long as the concentration next week on Raw is Lesnar-Rollins and the concentration the final week is Rousey, Becky, and Charlotte. I think we're in good shape, but they have to be able to develop additional feuds. This is kind of the thing that Fastlane screws up when we talk about Fastlane having to have so many angles on it that were related to WrestleMania as opposed to using it as a show that covers titles and situations that maybe don't get WrestleMania matches. So you can continue and build feuds in between it and around it. Um, they had that shield match. So because they had that shield match, they had to figure out where do we go from here. And the first step was knocking out Ambrose and getting him off of Mania and getting him off of TV if he is indeed actually leaving. And the second step was figuring out a match for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And Drew McIntyre is a great match for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I thought McIntyre was on absolute fire two weeks ago. And I thought he was on fire again this week. The promo was great. 
the match with Rollins, the technical, like the, the work rate working was really good. And yeah, the Lesnar thing sucked, but you know what I always complain about with Lesnar? He does the first segment of the show and he leaves. At least he came back, and we saw him to close the show. Yeah, but it so, was predictable, and it was yeah, like— Yeah, but they're building Rollins-Lesnar while weaving in See, the... I think they're crapping on Rollins-Lesnar. Here's my no, point on this. Look, no. I, I know this goes back to what I prefer, and this makes me sound like an old guy fan. I prefer, again, the 90s when Raw and Nitro were more about talking segments to get you built up for the pay-per-view than, over hitting, than hitting you over the head with repetitive wrestling and feuds that we're already seeing. So— you know what I don't need Seth Rollins to do a couple weeks out from Mania? Lose in any form. I need Seth Rollins to be built up so strong that I believe he has a chance to beat Lesnar. And I get, well, he didn't really lose because he lost because Lesnar walked out. But he, why do I? Here's the point. Yes, Rollins versus McIntyre in a main event on Raw is going to keep your, your, your viewers happy. It's going to be a fun match. But it, we don't need this right now is really my point. Like, especially when it's going to end in a smudge finish. And even without a smash finish, we don't need it. I think this could have been accomplished a lot better and more entertaining rather than the crutch of, of let's roll out a 20-minute Mania match just for the end. And then the, it doesn't really matter what happens in the match. It only, happens, only matters this final five seconds. I don't need that match. I need Seth Rollins to look strong. And if he's going to look bad, I think it needs to be Lesnar inflicting it. And I get why they did it this way to keep McIntyre strong while Roman Reigns is out. But Seth Rollins comes back balls of fire this week to redeem his his two injured teammates. And then he succumbs to Brock Lesnar's music walking out and making him look like an idiot because he hears the music and he turns around and gets distracted, even though that happens every single week. I just felt like it fell too much into a, you know, May mid-May Raw sort of trope than Mania season. Yeah. It wasn't the strongest booking. That's totally fair. I just didn't really have an issue because it got McIntyre so over. So it accomplished a goal. Had they just done that and the person that beat him, I I can't even, if it was Baron Corbin, let's say, or if it was another heel, if it was Lashley, right? If it was Lashley Rollins and all that did was get Lashley over as a strong intercontinental champion, I wouldn't have an issue. I mean, I would have had a major issue with it. But considering this is McIntyre, who really, once he split with Dolph, actually went on a losing streak in terms of big matches on Raw and on pay-per-view, just didn't really win. They need to build him up strong, whether four reigns to beat or two beat reigns. And Brian, I'm going to tell you, going in, I think Drew McIntyre is going to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And I think in order for that to be plausible, you need to have him beat Seth Rollins schmaz or not to end monday night raw and i think that's what they did at the expense of the main event storyline not at the expense of anything rollins is so strong that doesn't matter it's irrelevant but how important like okay so we're saying it's about to keep it's it's about keeping drew mcintyre strong how strong no, is making, he when no, no, he, no no making him strong okay but how strong is he when he needed the distraction to win that's that's my point that only works so that doesn't work for the heels the heels it doesn't matter why they win you know so, why here, here's okay here's my example Ambrose should have come back. And, and Seth should have been like, oh, I'm going to redeem the shield. And Ambrose comes running and goes, no, brother, I I need this. I'm getting this. And then he gets absolutely obliterated with Seth ringside. I mean, look, I'm just saying there were other ways. I, I guess I'm salty this week. That's the truth. BC, salty. Deal with it. Let's roll on. You are salty. It's very strange. I thought we were getting pos- powers of positivity 
I chose love on the women's Positivity angle. Positivity Campbell back. I, I chose love on the women's angle this week. It, it, it ruffled me the wrong way because we're 15 days out from Mania or whatever the heck we are. Add up. Do the math for me. Add it up. We're we're so damn close. I like 12-ish. Don't like just that, yeah. lazily connect the dots. Give me the juice. All right. Well, Inject look, me. You know. Listen, listen, man. The two weeks before Mania, you know, are the go-home weeks. If we don't get it starting next week, I'm with you. But I really think you're over-criticizing. You're also tired. You're coming in from a red eye from L.A. I think you're tired and cranky. I got red eyes. <laughs> All right. Third part of our main event today. Ronda Rousey suddenly cannot be controlled by anyone except her husband, Travis Brown. Uh, you saw what happened Monday night on Raw. She beat Dana Brooke in like 30 seconds. Um, goes nuts on WWE security. And then needs her husband to pull her outside of the ringside area. Oh, and by the way, we're just going to have Travis Brown throw a stiff yes. elbow, forearm, whatever you want to call it, at a security guy who I hope got a bonus for taking that shot. Hazard pay. Uh, Hazard pay. Todd Hazard Gr- pay. The great Todd Grisham used to tell me if you're involved in some, like Mickey James slapped the crap out of him one time right. in a backstage interview. I think he got paid 500 or when John Cena gave him a, uh, what's that, uh, what's the... Uh, AA? AA. He, he, he took like 500. Well, I hope, I hope this security or this independent professional wrestler, I hope he got like two grand for taking that shot because the first thought in my mind was, whoa. Like yeah. he really connected with that. This guy's not a worker. He's a, he's a shooter, no. all right? He doesn't know how to pull, apparently. Um, so look, I kind of liked it and I kind of had a problem with it. My biggest problem was this were about women's evolution and empowerment and all this stuff. And the only person who control can control Ronda Rousey is her husband. No, stop that. Stop that right now. They did, okay? That's what they told me. Salty BC is over. Here's the pepper. This was fan-friggin-tastic. Wait, wait, I agree it was great. No, but the that. reasons why you are sort of hedging here, not hedging, but but sort of b- bumping up the side and saying, hold on, let me put a black lining on the silver cloud. Um, here's the real deal. She's the, Ronda Rousey's playing this heel character so perfectly. It's everything that we've wanted, right? Less talking, more badass, because this is who she is in reality. But right. you know who she also is in reality? Being really honest here, little, little off-kilter at times, a little too emotional at times. Yes. Where in theory, in reality, her husband in, a, in, a, in any marriage, any relationship should be the, maybe the only voice that does sort of pull her back to reality. So I don't think of it as... Forget a, voice, Brian. He physically did it. I, okay, I know. He physically saved her from getting into more trouble in storyline, okay? okay. And, he, and he walked okay. away. It's making her seem unhinged and crazy, and I like the introduction. Look, Travis Brown, from an MMA standpoint, still a UFC fighter, but been out a long time with an injury, has been knocked out many times in a row. He's basically, <laughs> he's basically one loss away from getting cut, if we're really being honest. He's kind of considered a clown and a joke in, in UFC these days, and on top of it, he's got some bad... Uh, domestic violence things in the past as well. But yet, seeing him out here, although I sort of cringed at first, I loved it in the end. Because here's the reality. He's kind of got an interesting WWE look. Six foot seven, realistic background as a, as a heavyweight fighter, UFC fighter. It was a stiff introduction in terms of his work there. And he wouldn't be miscast as like a fifth member of the Wyatt family, if we're being honest with that look. He's kind of like skinny Eric Rowan in a lot of ways. So if... We thought Shayna Baszler would eventually be heel Ronda's security or, or sidekick, and it may end up going down that road if they pay off the four horse women versus four horse women angle, which, by the way, see, in reality, it seems more complicated to pull that off. Because I think, we're two, I think we're two years away from it. Ronda's friends are not up to the level of being able to pull off that role, and 
I think the NXT Four Horsewomen are so evolved in their own star status and storylines that lopping them back together, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work right now. I think it's a, I think it's a post-maternity leave storyline. So it's not like in a women's feuds that Travis Brown is going to put his hands on women. And by the way, that would be really bad considering his own history. But he can put his hands on security guards or agents or referees coming in. So I think this is smart because it's all about playing up who Ronda Rousey is right now. Pissed off at the fans for turning on her. Pissed off from the very beginning at WWE Authority. Let's not forget, she may have been a babyface when she was going against Triple H and Steph, but she was doing very heel-like tactics. I absolutely love the temperature of who and where she is right now. I love that they spent the time building up Dana Brooks' underdog, Rocky sort of chances, <laughs> only to absolutely squash them because that's the right booking. Ronda should absolutely destroy Dana Book, Dana Brooke. It was perfect in that regard. You know, like I said, saw Travis Brown at first, a little cringy. Ronda is still on a point where something she does are a little cringy. But overall package, when I went to grade that in the end on the Raw recap, I was like, you know what? This works. This is what we want from Ronda. I'm not. I, I'm choosing love. I am choosing love. Love it. No, so I, I'm with you that it was an A, like the segment, the, even the backstage part earlier where, like, I forgot I forgot the referee's name. That John, was John Cohn. Cohn. Nicholas' uh, was John father. Cohn? Yeah. Oh, it was John Cohn. Okay. Um, where he tries to talk to her. She, like, walks away, and then he finishes talking to her as, as she's walking away from him. I loved that. And, yes, I loved everything. I loved Rousey applying the arm bar, not 100%, but, like, 80% of the way, whereas previously she, like, would bend the arm naturally, and it was fake, and you could tell it was fake. That looked way more real of an arm bar. And I believe it's the same one that she used against Sasha Banks. So she's getting to that point where I expect when she puts it on Becky and or Charlotte, it's going to look awesome. Right. And I love the moment of her, you know, beating the crap out of the referees and security. And as I said, I absolutely popped when Travis Brown nailed that guy with elbow forearm, whatever you want to call it, but I'm not going to stand back from it. Seeing him lift her out of the ringside area. I was okay with. But as soon as he like started like calming her down and is like, I'm, I got you, like everything's – and walking her off, it was just like, really? Like is, or I thought I felt we were going away from that. I might be off on this one. It's fine. I'm just telling you how I felt in the moment. It, it just didn't ring evolutionary to me, which is what they seemed to be going for. It felt like they felt the need to insert a man into the mix to get her under control and – Maybe that's maybe they pay that storyline off. Apparently, in storyline, he's been suspended from WWE, so he can't come back in arena in an arena where she is. I don't know. Um, Here's why I kind of like that. Here's why it just kind of it just felt it went from like A plus to A. Well, here's why I think that that point is actually great because of the reality I mentioned earlier of who Ronda is. But let's let's spell it out even further. Look, I've I've been a I'm an MMA writer. I've been an MMA editor in the past. I've done a lot of MMA stuff during Ronda's UFC prime. Her entire build when she was blowing people away in UFC in record time, right? Like 14 second wins, 16 second wins was about that she's the epitome of girl power, right? Of of being a strong women's athlete. To the point that WWE actually credits her and her rise with them taking women more seriously, whether that's true or not. That's sort of the story they're telling, which, which, which is a good PR crossover when she joined them. But as we already know, when she was knocked out and that large run came to an end, the way she handled it was heavily criticized from being unwilling to do media to, you know, getting to the point of like facing suicidal thoughts in terms of losing her invincibility where a lot of people behind the scenes during that point, MMA journalists, MMA media people were saying, look, 
No one wants to write this story because you're going to get bashed. But Ronda just six months ago was the epitome of, of girl power. We don't need men. We can do it alone. And then now she's an absolute mess and she's handling a loss worse than anyone really ever has in the public space. She's actually the opposite of girl power. So in reality, that's sort of who she is. So Travis Brown picking up the pieces now of heel Ronda, who's maniacal, is as real as it gets, Adam. Yeah, I just I hope they tell the Becky Lynch part of this story better because they're really getting away from these three in the storyline over the last two weeks, where it really needs to be about them. Like it's what they told what they did this week. They told Becky versus Charlotte, and they told Ronda Rousey unhinged, and they didn't combine those storylines. And it seems strange that we're three weeks out. You want to complain about the Kofi Kingston build? We're three weeks out from WrestleMania. This build has had so many twists, turns, swerves. It's been completely overbooked. I don't think this portion's overbooked. It's fine. But they need to pay this off next week with what Becky Lynch said last week. That Becky completely got into Ronda Rousey's head. Because it started that night on Raw where she put her in the disarmor and had her screaming and it continued where Rousey interfered in that match at Fastlane and forced Becky into that match because she wants to fight her. I need Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey facing off and Becky Lynch going in on her. Look what I did to you. You can't handle the WWE. You can't handle the man. That's where this needs to go. If they do that, home run. But it's taken so long to get here. I just, I'm not feeling it, the, the entire storyline, as much as I should be. And that's consistent. I've said it for a few weeks. It's been totally overbooked. Right now, they're in a really good spot. They've made me forget about all of that. Yeah. On, that, a, on a night-to-night basis. Bring it together on Monday. That's the, that's the hole right now. And you're right. And I wanted to avoid that it was really happening. But it is really happening. They've watered down what originally made this idea of the triple threat so great. Because the idea was that we all thought it would be Rousey Charlotte as the Mania match. But when you had Steve Austin... Becky Lynch come into the picture. In in theory, it forced W it forced WWE's hand to not only make it a triple threat, but to make it the main event. And now, even though I love what they're doing with Rousey, even though every time Charlotte's on the screen lately, she's hitting a home run, including that mm -hmm. Twitter pick of her and the Los Igno blah, blah blah. Man, I always butcher that. Ingo Bernables, which is obviously a, a shout out to Andrade, her real life boyfriend, apparently right now, who started that faction in Mexico. And uh, wow. But we need Becky to be Becky. We need the man. We need yeah. the man back. Middle Not fingers. limping. No more limp. I'm sick of the damn limp. Yes. All right. We saw it again this week. Give me Becky Lynch, the Becky Lynch that we had a month and a half ago. Full steam ahead. Starting Monday night on Raw. That's what we need. Whereas the Kofi Kingston storyline is nuanced in many ways, is at least when it comes to the race angle and some of some of these other things that we're talking about, this is the angle that's beating us over the head. So you got you fix that. Now pay it off. True or false? True or false? It's hard question time. All right. Go True or false? Vince brought in the knee to cool Becky down purposely because he didn't want it to be all about Becky. It depends who wins the Mania match. If Becky does not win the Mania match, it was done on purpose. Absolutely. But if their booking is for her to win, then it's just bad booking. All right. We don't often do this in real time, but did you happen to see the video that Big E put out on Twitter at 1121 a.m. Wednesday today as we record this this morning? 
No. People are tweeting it at us. Seth Rollins put a uh, kind of a burn it down reaction to it. It's got, you know, 4,500 likes. It may be in line with what we're talking about. So this is an un. I've never heard this. You haven't even heard this, but you're going to play it. I'm going to play it sight unseen because of everything that we're talking about right now. Get ready for this. Time to to contemplate what happened Tuesday night and uh, obviously Kofi's performance and uh, the aftermath and our reaction to to all of that and uh, a little bit of time to reflect too on, I guess, kind of our our careers and why we we do this. Um, You know, you, you think of this business to some degree being a meritocracy that if you work hard, uh, you show up early, you stay late, you do all the right things, you jump through all the right hoops, uh, you're respectful, you don't break the law, um, that, that you, you, you get good at your craft, that you really hone that, that you find a place with fans, uh, you separate yourself, you find a niche, you separate, uh, yourself, uh, from a character perspective, from an in-ring perspective, you do everything, you check all the boxes, uh, you show up in shape, you, you do everything that's asked of you in this business that that if you do all those things, you have a good chance of making it to the top. But now we, we, we understand the game. We see what the game is, that people people like us will only get so far, that you can climb the mountain. They'll let you climb the mountain. But as far as getting to the peak and, and staying at the peak, or, it's, it's, it's not a thing that, that people like us, historically and moving forward clearly can only get so far. So, you know, we, uh, we've done a lot of cool things here. We've uh, been able to, to do a lot of things that we never could have imagined we could do, but uh, clearly we are never meant to be more than this. And for people like us, that's not enough and it will never be enough. So, uh, you know, we got to sit back and think, whether you know continuing to be to be gone for 250 days plus a year is worth it of of missing the family time of uh doing this to our bodies you know leaving a piece of yourself in the ring uh that you can never get back all the things that we give if it's worth it when we can only get this far so we got a lot of thinking to do uh you know obviously proud of kofi uh proud of us as a trio proud of what we've done but uh if this is all we ever will be Wow. Okay, so as brilliant as Rhonda and Becky's Twitter game has been to to blur the lines of reality and make you wonder things, if this is storyline, which it very well could be, brilliant, freaking brilliant storyline. If it very well could, be. of course it's storyline. It's co- incredible. I, I, look, I'm not trying to say this means they're going to AEW. Brian, I'm saying it's storyline. Brian, that's an incredible promo. It's incredible. It needs to be on TV. Oh, my God. It's so good. And it I'm looks okay real. With that not being, I'm okay with that not being on TV because that, that's clearly not in the arena. You know what I mean? Like that. Oh, yeah. He shot it in his apartment, basically. Right. Like in front so of so the, I'm okay with that. The other one should have been. But you combine those two. Do you feel that, Brian? Wow. Do you feel all of that? I, I, I just uh, – there's only one place to go with that. <laughs> Wow, wow, Vince, let's go to Vince. Vince, what are you going to say to that, really? There is no racism here in the World Wrestling Federation. We don't allow it, we'll allow it under any circumstances. And that's the bottom line. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to bury Horowitz myself here because nothing has happened to give me that freedom. But if this leads 
to a Big E push through Kofi getting a push through the the the, the New Day triple threat match down the road. This could be the, the greatest thing to ever happen in New Day. And by the way, they don't have to stay broken up. They can have a match against each other for the WWE Championship that could be absolutely brilliant and then come back together. If this means them getting the type of push that African-American wrestlers deserve, yes, and them playing on the real-life things that are going on, this would tell you that Vince still has it. Yeah. I mean, look, it's pretty damn great. And I said this before, that first gauntlet match where Kofi replaced Mustafa Ali. I was really hoping it would be Big E. Not because I don't love Kofi. You know I love Kofi. But I love Big E. He has every single thing. He checks every single box that WWE could want from a main eventer and a potential champion. World champion. And you saw it in the promo I aired earlier in the show. In the promo Brian just played. You see it on WWE TV and you see it in the ring all the time. Huge Big E fan. That was effing fantastic. Yes. All right. To close on the women real quick. uh, Charlotte on Tuesday night with Becky. It's fine. It's fine. I prefer a talking segment like they set that up to be using Kevin Owens as the conduit. I thought was really smart with his history of friendships breaking up with Chris Jericho, which he sort of mentioned. It's sort of copy and paste brawl at the end. But to see the referees and agents get kind of tossed into the middle of it like Rousey's doing on Raw. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. You know, it's really weird. And, and it's, I mean, it's a little bit of a representation thing. It's mostly because I see it on NXT a lot. They should really get some women referees and agents on the main roster. It's just, you see all these guys come out. For Ronda, you see all these guys come out. For Becky and, and Charlotte, it doesn't have to be 50-50, but like two women somewhere. Like, it's just a swarm of people that look identical to each other on both shows every time this happens. And it didn't really ever register for me, even though they've used it many times. Until Tuesday night, I was just like, get some female referees or there's women backstage. Get some people out there to help. Like, I don't know. Uh, it really was apparent. But I, I agree. The the segment was good. KO was good. Um, he was not, sorry. KO was great in that segment. Uh, I did think, though, and this is not meant to be an insult, not that comparing anyone to this person would be an insult. It was very Mick Foley-esque. I don't know if it was because it was the yellow logo shirt and the red tie and and then the unshaven beard and it kind of gave me those vibes. But KO just gave me real Mick Foley vibes on Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you, but it was a strong use of him. And by the way, I, did, I played that Big E sound a minute ago. Shout out to Mateo at Matthew Q N A N E S who sent that to us with three sirens on Twitter. Always want to shout out our people who hook us up with sound. And to close on the New Day storyline, I'm never a big Byron Saxton fan. I get the role that he plays. He's he at his, He is at his best when he's playing the stupid guy opposite Corey Graves. But in general, I think his character, it's, I just think it's, it's kind of lame. Him yeah. standing up for the New Day and standing up for African-Americans not being pushed properly and harping on it was brilliantly handled on Tuesday night. It was. The fact that he echoed all the sentiments was really great. I agree. BC, we have a lot of show left. It is time for Hero. Or zero. All right, BC, the Glamazon, Beth Phoenix, Adam Copeland, Edge's wife, is back 
in WWE and seemingly has a match for WrestleMania in what may be a triple threat or fatal four-way for the women's tag team titles. Is this a return that you wanted, Hero or Zero? Nah, it's a zero. It's a personal preference on me. I have nothing personal against Beth Phoenix. I believe she was ahead of her time during a transitional women's era where for the most part women's wrestling wasn't great. I give her her credit as a Hall of Famer. I think she's really bad on commentary. I'm going to be honest with you. So when she keeps reappearing at times, I don't want to see that. Um, this is a womp womp to me each time she keeps showing up, whether it was at the Fastlane pay-per-view when she got physical and she keeps coming by Natty's side. I mean, I, I get it in some ways because she's been retired for a while. Now she's got daughters that are growing up. I'm sure it's part of it is, you know, just like Goldberg coming back for his son. That you know, So I'm not against that. And she's in great shape. And she's always been in great shape. And I give her that. But some of us have uh, honest blinders and biases. We don't love Bret Hart on this show. Right? <laughs> we were always Sean guys in the Bret-Sean rivalry. And then as previously stated, Bret basically told us to F off for something that was absolutely his fault. Not basically, but go ahead. Did. Um, we also have a villain in the show of Adam Edge Copeland, to be really honest with you. Secured a podcast interview with him one time to help him promote his TV show. Two questions into that podcast interview. He randomly hangs up. Okay. <laughs> the our lady calls me back, not realizing she she thought she had me on hold. I wasn't on hold. I heard her and Edge talking and him getting off the phone. And then she comes on with me and it's like, well, I don't really know what happened. And then me pressing her led to her saying Edge did not agree to be on any other podcast but his own. So he just hung up in the middle of it when he realized it was like, no, no, sorry, Edge. That's not going to happen, dude. I was there to promote your damn thing. OK, so do me a favor and answer some gangrel questions so I can <laughs> touch my old school field spot. So I don't know if that led to me being like, no, but where are we going here? Are we going triple threat women's tag team match at Mania? I think fatal four way. <sighs> Eight women. The first God forbid we get a two on two tag yeah. team match. I mean, at least this one will be tags. But, like, I mean, I would hope, unless it's, uh, uh, like, tornado match or something. But, like, it's the tag team titles. You don't need to have eight women in it. All right, have I'm, them defended against one team. For, for everything I just said about not being excited about Beth Phoenix, she is historical and is coming from another era, which Natty, if we're being honest, does bridge the gap of those two eras as well. If this was a traditional tag team match of Beth and Natty against the Boston Hug Connection, I would be more apt to accept that. I would know its place on the card. And I would say, look, it's somebody from another era trying to pour out the jug and see what they have left to compete with the best of this era. But now that you're going full on, just kind of overbooked match, I'm not feeling it. It's a zero. Even though I love the Iconics getting the role they're getting, I didn't mind Boston Hugs showing up on SmackDown, but there's a little too many cooks in this kitchen for me. Yeah, I lean with you on that. I don't mind her coming back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Beth Phoenix take the Renee chair on Raw at some point. Uh, whether that's because Renee leaves with Dean if he does in fact leave or whether they bring her back to the backstage role where she is infinitely better at. Um, I think they like Beth on commentary, so I think you're going to see that frequently. Do you, uh, if not, Do you if like not Beth on commentary? I am not as opposed to her as you are. What about her returning? Do you pop for that? Is that a hero or zero? Um, it's a hero, but... I mean, it's such a minor hero. It's like 51% hero because I'm fine with it. It's more of a meh. It's like, all right, she's back. Cool. 
we thought, and no one, this wasn't reported or, or anything. This is just everyone's assumption. Everyone assumed the match would be Becky and Sasha against Trish Stratus and Lita. And that match is an A. Even though Lita maybe doesn't work as well as she used to, Trish still looked good the last two times she's been in the ring. That's an A, awesome, really cool match. It would really put Becky and Sasha over. I keep saying Becky and Sasha. I meant Sasha and Bailey both times. Um, it would really put them over, the Boston Hug Connection. This, you're right, it's just so muddied with the Iconics and Nia Jax and Tamina. Who even wants them there? And then are they still going to do the Women's Battle no, Royal? please don't do the Women's Battle Royal this if, year. Please don't. Yeah, if, if this is in lieu of that, I guess I'm a little bit okay with it. I'm happy to see her back. I thought the thing she did with Nia and Tamina was okay. I don't need her in the match. So it's a hero, more out of respect than anything. But I felt bad for her when she cut that promo this week, and like three people in the crowd made a reaction. Right. And and they tried to yeah. get a chant going. No one cared. No one cared. She's not someone where coming back matters. Well, plus they where... get, we've already seen her back. So th- this is yeah. the thing. Like, I'm all for women getting what they deserve, which, by the way, is money in the bank ladder match, which is Royal Rumble match for women. Yes. All these yes. things. But at the same time, that and the evolution and the battle world, like, they've overplayed the idea now of these legends coming back. So if she had come back without ever appearing before, it would have meant more than, hey, didn't we just see her in the damn Royal Rumble? Well, even if we saw her in the Royal Rumble and we didn't see her again and Natty like got in on this match but had to get a, se- a special tag team partner and then they made the surprise announcement at WrestleMania and her music hits and she walks down, you're like, oh, sh- oh crap, that's Beth Phoenix. That's awesome. But now they're trying to play it into a storyline and it's just like, we liked you. You were great at- in your time, but you were never so special that you coming back matters the way it does when The Rock comes back or when... Sting, you know, makes a one-off appearance or Batista coming back. She's not at that level because they didn't truthfully promote many women to that level. Now, if you had AJ Lee make a surprise appearance, Silver King's all in there. Uh, So it's, like I said, it's a 51%. It's a hero out of respect more than anything else. I just want to say one more thing about Tamina and Nia, who, especially Nia lately, we've just been like, get off our screen. I liked her heel work this week. I like her saying that she's she's prettier than Beth and going, going down that road. It's just such a jerk move to do and then Tamina attacking from behind I kind of pop for because here's the thing Tamina's like sloppy but when they use her the right way she's powerful and she is really good at making really awkward faces when somebody says something she doesn't yes, like she Like is. so like it's comical just like when she tries to tribute her late father Jimmy by jumping off the top rope and always misses and it's always comical I sort of pop in a you know somewhat ironic way I, I liked them this week I'm not saying we need more of them. Let's move on. Hero Zero number two, Adam, the legend, Kurt Angle, uh, came out on Raw to announce his farewell match at WrestleMania, saying the McMahons gave him the opportunity to choose. And before wrestling Chad Gable in what now is a continuation of his retirement tour, he chose TGI Friday's waiter, Baron freaking Corbin, Hero or Zero. Look, it's just such a zero that even droning on about it, it's just like hurting your eardrums. It's unnecessary noise, right? But, you know, I went through a three-tweet, you know, epiphany, I guess, when this happened on Raw. And the first one I was like, are you freaking kidding me, right? The storyline was basically over. There was no real reason for his final match, for him to want the match against Baron Corbin, for a storyline for them to give us the match against Baron Corbin, it just doesn't make a shred of sense, and it's not at all interesting. 
I really like Baron Corbin. I think he's criminally underrated. He's very talented in the ring and continues to get better. He's very good on the mic and draws a lot of heat. But once they transitioned him from the lone wolf, which was a better gimmick, into this GM whatever type of role, and they never took him out of it in any way. He's still wearing the vest. He's still the same type of guy. They're not giving him a newer angle to refresh him a little bit. It's stale and it's old. And him being in this match, it's a retirement match. So if he, especially if he beats Kurt Angle, it's giving a rub to someone who is not in a position where getting the rub will benefit them. Like if if this was the Drew McIntyre match, you have to remember McIntyre knocked him out cold and had and just and used all of his moves on him and embarrassed him. If they ran that back and Angle put up a really really good fight, almost beats him, and McIntyre hits the Claymore at the end and wins, it helps put Drew McIntyre over. That's just an example. Dolph Ziggler in this spot, another amateur wrestler, would have been awesome. Someone we haven't seen in a while. He comes in and says, Kurt. You know, you've wrestled and beat everyone. You never beaten me. Maybe he has. I don't know. But, you know, a situation where I was a better amateur wrestler than you. I never got a chance at the Olympics and I'm a better pro wrestler than you. That would have worked. The match that they had immediately after the announcement, Chad Gable, they could have built that into an awesome storyline. I thought they were. But did you think they were? Sorry to interrupt you. But when Chad started getting very aggressive and attacking Kurt's knee, did you feel like the heel turn was coming and that was what they were setting up for the Mania match? Well, no, because he already announced Corbin. So it was like. And then they shook hands afterwards, so they didn't even pay that off. But that could that could have been, had he not announced that, I don't know who my opponent's going to be. Brings out Chad Gable, they wrestle for three minutes. Gable gets really aggressive, turns heel, and you have a great storyline. And then there's the name we're not talking about. John Cena. It was John Cena's first match in WWE. It could be Kurt Angle's last match in WWE. John could come in, it would be my honor to wrestle you last. Kirk can say, I'm going to beat your ass just like you beat mine on your first night in WWE. And you have this great storyline. So I got myself really worked up and really, really angry. And it's a massive zero. And I'm not changing that even announcing this is a zero because the crowd was silent and it carried on into the next match. They were dead. They were. And they couldn't believe what they heard. This is Chicago. They're a great crowd. They're like, really? Right. So it's a huge zero. But what came around to me about 15, 20 minutes later is. One of two things. Either this is legitimately a swerve, right? And Cena or someone of that caliber ends up taking Corbin's place through storyline or suddenly at WrestleMania or whatever the case might be. Or WWE has to be smart enough to hear that crowd reaction and realize that's not just heat on Corbin not liking him. It's people having zero interest in this match. And they, they cannot and should not do that to Kurt Angle. Ric Flair's last match was against Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels' last match was against The Undertaker. Kurt Angle may not be either of those guys, but he's a multi-time world champion. He's a great WWE superstar, and no way in any storyline should his final match be against Baron Corbin. So it was Tuesday night when we found out who Samoa Joe will be facing at WrestleMania, and when we found out it wasn't Cena, that was the first time I went, oh, wait. They could be swerving us here with this Corbin thing. And then I started to go back and do the math. And let's not forget, there was a weird comment by Michael Cole about a half hour on the Raw episode after they announced Corbin and got zero reaction. He was basically trying to put over Corbin as a heel and saying the reaction on social media to Kurt Angle's announcement has been so negative. 
that at first, in real time, I'm like, oh, wow, man, they, they realize how bad of a decision this is. That they're doubling down on trying to get you mad at Corbin when the reality is nobody cares, right? A straight-up Angle-Corbin match, you nailed it. Corbin doesn't deserve the rub, and Angle is not... He's over, certainly, but he's not over in a level where we haven't seen him wrestle in WWE in 12 years, right? He's a little overexposed in wrestling, so he's not over to the level that we just need to see him get that go-away win. So, like, that's almost a kickoff show match, to be honest with you. So I wonder if this is still a setup for John Cena, ruthless aggression. Kurt goes up to Vince backstage and is like, look, nobody cares about this match. Corbin, you know, I, I was wrong, and we need something a little bit more you know, and they go, they, they play off ruthless aggression. Or, like I said, maybe this is where Jason Jordan comes back. I don't know his health status. You hear bad things. But maybe this is where he comes back. Dad, I want to be the one that gives you your final match. And then we have something really fun, something incredible to play off of there. But other people have thoughts here, so let's hear them. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Uh, from a guy who's trying to make a run. You talk about Kofi trying to make a run. And I don't know Black Sabre Jr.'s actual skin tone color. But a guy called Black Sabre Jr. trying to make a Kofi-like run here. There is no racism on the state of combat. Well, that has been, not well, but never will be. And that's the bottom line. But Black Sabre Jr., our broham, at TKCXP on Twitter, says, I hope you guys can discuss how disappointing the Kurt Angle return has been as of now. They could have booked him like Suzuki of NJPW and instead have chosen to book him like a goofy grandpa. And to support Black Sabre Jr.'s comment here, Adam, there are a bunch of people who either DM'd or tweeted at me and was like, let's take a snapshot at Angle's actual return to WWE. So the GM thing was fine. I thought he did well in that role. But putting on the tactical gear to save TLC as a Shield member stunk. And then any sort of match or run we've seen him in since then, he's looked old. So to support that, I haven't even thought about that. Look at how amazing they're doing with 50-something-year-old Suzuki and NJPW and how they're playing him off like a psychopath that it's so damn believable that you want to see him at any point, including WrestleMania weekend, blood sport against Josh Barnett in that main event of that full-on strong-style slap fest they're going to have. Could Kurt Angle have been completely booked differently and been a psychopath ankle turner? Where we would care more? where it would not hmm. expose how old he is in the ring? Yeah, possibly. Um, I just don't really think he's that kind of – he's a shoot wrestler. He's not a shoot brutalizer. Is that right. fair? That's fair. That's fair. I'm not, I'm not against the idea. I'm just saying, like, I don't know that that helps him. Like, like even on Tuesday, Chad Gable really helped him in the ring. And I actually texted Jack, or DM slid Jack, and I was like, man, it is time for Angle to retire. Like, this is the right time. Like, he's done. First half of that match was brutal. Second yeah. half, Gable carried him to like, oh, my God, this is fun. It was. And it got me wanting that match even more, which I think maybe last week I suggested. I don't even remember. But like, And by the way, when Chad put on the ankle lock on Angle, it was perfect. It was awesome. Yeah. So it, it, that's why it ruined it so much for me. It was they took the worst possible booking and then succeeded it. With the match I actually wanted. <laughs> like, immediately. And I, I was just like, what are you doing to me? So, no, I mean, I, I don't think, I really don't think that Corbin will ultimately be the opponent. But, like, we don't need swerves this far out. You had we don't three need weeks. troll booking. We don't need troll booking. Look, yeah. this was a refreshing WrestleMania season because we were getting organically what we wanted. Becky as Austin. Kofi Mania. Daniel Bryan as a heel. Like, all these things were lining up. 
don't don't troll book us. Let's just. You go, think this just... is a factor of there being so many new names and faces in apparently in the creative section at such a late date on the road to WrestleMania? I don't know. I don't know how that plays in. I do know like a lot of those TNA names moved over, they, and they, they do have new names. I, I don't know how that's working out. We've seen some weeks where we're like, wow, that seems to be refreshing, right? You got Jeff Jarrett back there. You got these other dudes, Abyss from TNA. I I, I don't know if that's too many cooks in the kitchen, and we're seeing a weird way it plays out. Vince is still the stamp at the end of the line. It's hard to really know how that works back there. Well, you know, so that's it. For sure. Well, moving on, BC. Next up, you know, why don't you hit me with that uh, DM sound? <coughs> yeah, let me cough first. After, All right, you, after you cough into the microphone. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Talk about making a run at the Mount Rushmore. This guy, TC Casa, who jumped in last week, only one that at least I received a long DM from really asking a solid question. But before he gets to the question, some praise. Been following BC since the cheap heat days. I jumped ship like Nash and Hall when he went to CBS. I once booed the king. Now I bow to the silver king. What? If there was a black and red show, I would stay with the OG white and black. NWO baby. Fresh blood being injected into the veins of the listeners. Remember my name, baby. Woo. Thanks for addressing and reacting to my message last week. Is it fair to say the Miz is being overlooked? I know Miz and others think a match with Shane at Mania is a big deal, but I'm not sure I do anymore. It's like when Taker's streak ended, every other loss was, eh, whatever. I can't think of a better guy on the mic during the last few years. Sure, there are guys maybe at his level, such as Joe, but longevity? Year after year, he seems like he's the top guy on the mic. I know his ring work is not on a smart level, but damn. So Miz, last year, in 2017, was our smack talker of the year, I believe. Um, This year, I thought on Tuesday night, he put together a promo of the year contender. I don't think it was better than Paul's, but it was up there. It was really good. So BC, hero or zero that this match has gone from meh to one that actually has your attention entering WrestleMania. What's that guy's name that you're now, I never heard of before that you're now giving him Rushmore consideration status that DM does? TC Casa. Hey, TC Casa. Let me tell you something. You need to watch your mouth. All right. All right, TC Casa. First of all, that... Also, uh, if I only knew my soundboard better, I'd insult you even more, but I don't. Oh, here it is. Take a shower, hit the weights, get a clue. All three, TC Casa. Thank you. You can. We don't need you on the red and black. Right. God, God forbid anyone likes me. Yeah, God, God forbid. All right. Uh, he asked an interesting question, though, that I want to hit first before I hear right, that's why I read. That's why I read it. It was good. All right. Let me hit that. Yes. In reality, Miz deserves more, and here's why. The 2016 Miz turnaround, which... We all know by now. We all have loved and carried it into 2017. One of the better second acts, really, of of career turnaround to to elevate somebody from like really good longtime mid Carter. Hey, remember that time he main evented at WrestleMania? To like, oh my God, this guy's a Hall of Famer and one of the best on the mic of this era. He deserved, in my opinion, more than he got. Now, what he did get, let's not forget, two WrestleManias ago, Orlando was a giant push to be opposite John Cena in the Nikki Bella uh, proposal theme uh, storyline, which Miz did a plus plus work on the build there in the, in the back and forth promo battles in the skits he did dressing up as John Cena. That was the best of Miz, but it, it kind of plateaued and peaked there. He still was, was a big player and still is now, but the idea of him getting back to where he once was at WrestleMania 27 opposite Cena, we never really got that. Right? We never yep. really got he's, 
he's not really meant for that, though. But I think, think he could be. I think he deserves it. I think that's what TC Costa was asking. Yes, I think he deserves a WWE Championship or Universal Title run as the B-side heel to do all that great work. And the, the idea of him not being a perfect worker is true. But I've, I've said this before. I'll say it again. In the heart of every wrestling fan, there's two categories. Workers and guys who can't work. He's the Kenny Omega of guys who can't work. So while, yes, in your mind, if there's got to be a line, there's got to be a white, there's got to be a black, there's got to, you got to put, yes, Miz is on that other side. He's on the can't workers group, but he works damn good for the can't workers. He works good enough when you combine his mic skills. If you put him opposite somebody like AJ Styles and did a legitimate WrestleMania run for the big belt, it would have worked. I think he does deserve that. But back to this question, massive hero. This was a really great promo, and I was really excited to see how he was going to present himself as a babyface. I thought this really added more anticipation to, to, I don't know what the match is going to look like. I don't necessarily want it to be all about crazy Shane spots or weapons or anything like that. I don't think it could be a classic, but let's say one thing about Shane. He surprised us in the past. Certainly that AJ Styles match, a lot of it was AJ, but a lot of it was Shane too. That was a, a... one of the best matches I've ever seen in person. I say that. And maybe it was because it overachieved so much. But as, in terms of WrestleMania openers, outside of maybe Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10, that might be my favorite WrestleMania opener. Well, the IC title, Triple Threat, last year was pretty damn good as well. But fantastic. So I don't know what that match is going to look like. But I got feels again in that Miz promo that Vince could play a part in this. Right? Because it was all about making his father happy. And he thought he was giving Shane something by giving them a chance to win the tag championships, which is something Shane always wanted. And Shane also wants to make his own dad happy. If they can pull Vince in this in any form possible, this could be a massive home run, including Vince's presence in the match. See, I don't think we're going to get Vince's presence in the match, but I do think there's a scenario where George Mazanin makes the difference. Because don't forget, we had Maurice make the difference in the Daniel Bryan feud where she gave Miz the knuckles. He did that, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if you see something similar here where Shane's beating the hell out of him, gets in George's face, and George just throws a punch or, or does something like that. Miz takes advantage, throws him into the steel steps, and then all of a sudden you, you go to the finish from that. So I do wow. think George – I do think George can get involved. I don't think Vince is getting How many babyface moments are we going to have at this mania? This could be the ultimate Mark mania. It might be. Um, I do think, you know, I'm going to answer both questions. Hero on Miz from Tuesday. It was awesome. No pun intended when I say that. It was a really great promo. Uh, He set himself up well. He explained his situation well. And it just entertained me, top to bottom. Uh, I do think he's one of the best in-ring talkers. I don't want to say of all time because we're kind of, in an era where there's not a lot of great in-ring talkers, we've already had this conversation on the podcast because people aren't getting the on-the-job training to improv and do the things that Austin Rock, Mick Foley, all these awesome guys did previously, right? Uh, but in this in this current era, he's him, John Cena, he is one of the best talkers that WWE has. But to answer TC Casa's question, no, he's not being overlooked, okay? The fact that he is in a, he's not in a title feud and he is in a storyline – with Shane McMahon, who, like it or not, since he's returned, gets big moments at WrestleMania, whether you believe he deserves them, he doesn't deserve them, he performs in them. Miz would not be getting this type of TV time on the road to WrestleMania unless it was with Shane McMahon in this feud. Uh, A Miz-AJ Styles feud for no title is irrelevant. 
they the way they booked this and to their credit, long-term storytelling. This started back at Blood Money in the Sand, which was like November. So they told an entire storyline with the Best in the World trophy, which apparently that was the planned booking, all the way till WrestleMania. They, these guys won the tag team titles. It's a storyline that I think is perfect for The Miz at WrestleMania. Not too much, not too little, gets to be seen, gets to be featured, but is not in a major match because there's plenty of other guys on both Raw and SmackDown who are more, I don't like always using the word deserving, but who are more entertaining and would be better suited for title matches on the show. All right. All right. I'm is that with fair? That. Yeah, I'm fair. We got we to gotta keep rolling. We got to keep okay. rolling. With his son Dominic by his side, who towered over him, by the way, Rey Mysterio announced on Tuesday night that he will be facing Samoa Joe for the U.S. title at WrestleMania. BC, does this do anything for you, hero or zero? I was supposed to ask you this, Adam. Well, no, we switched it because you didn't watch NXT this week, but it was supposed uh, to go last. Yeah. We screwed up. Just answer the question. Uh, no, I'm going to be honest here. And if you, if you felt differently, that's fine. Having Dominic, who's like, a foot taller than his dad by his side. Two feet taller than his dad. No, it didn't do anything for me. I, uh, do I want to call it a zero? Yeah, I'm going to call Rey Mysterio Samoa Joe a zero. And it's not because I don't think the match will be great or, or have a potential to be one of those where like, wow, damn, that was a really good match. I just think there were better things in this spot, including John Cena, Samoa Joe, that you could have done with either guy. Andrade, Rey Mysterio, just let him do the second match of the night and tear the house down in 15 minutes. Something like that. Match versus hair is something you've brought up in, in the past as well. I think you could have done more. It's interesting booking there, but if they use Dominic, because Samoa Joe's the best heel in the business when he gets going, when he's calling out Wendy, when he's showing up at the Styles house. He should choke that damn kid out. If that, I mean, it seems like that kid's a wrestler. So, yeah, there's potential here. Right now, I'm going to give it a soft zero. I think there's potential to make it a hero. Yeah. I just, uh, I was a little, I did have a want, want, that type of feeling when, yeah. when Mr. In, in the way it was presented and announced, just him sort of backstage saying it. Win me over, guys. Win me over and make it a hero. It's a total zero for me. Um, I like Rey Mysterio. I love Samoa Joe, right? There's a couple issues. The first is Rey Mysterio coming back to WWE. That, that entire scenario has been a zero. He doesn't feel important. He doesn't feel like he's there for a reason. He's not going after the world title. I guess this is a U.S. title match, yes, and he's had these opportunities. He ain't winning anything. Uh, there's been months that he hasn't been on TV. I don't give WWE crap for overloading their rosters, and I don't agree that they sign people just to sign them all the time. But there are occasions where I believe that. This is one of them. They signed Rey Mysterio so no one else could have him, have him and they don't really have anything to do with him. And... This is not necessarily a match I want, despite liking both guys. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yes, Samojo next week could come out, choke Dominic out. Now you have a blood feud ready for WrestleMania. But what does that mean? Does that mean Rey Mysterio is going to win the U.S. title? And now you have like a fifth title change in the last two months? Another baby no, face I don't, pop. I don't, and, and, and now Rey Mysterio is champion, and Samoa Joe only gets a single month as, as the champion? I don't want that. If that so, kid blades, I'm going to be fired up, though. That'd be cool. Right, but hey. it's it's just not really for me. So I got to give it a zero. And what what's going to happen? What, they add an Andrade? Okay, that's better. They add R-Truth? We just had that match twice. So what are we doing here? Uh, it it should have been Cena. All right. Well, here, I got, I got a question for you here from one of our favorite listeners. 
Omar Al-Rashid of Australia, our boy, our guy, hit me up a couple weeks with this. I forgot to read it on that show. I want to hit it up. It's timely now. Yo, BC, I got a WWE DM slide for you. I'm a book the damn territory here, so shut the F up and let me talk for a minute. Wow. Wow, there's a damn. Silver King throwback there. He says, damn. Samoa Respect. Joe needs Respect. a WrestleMania opponent, and there's only one real choice outside of Cena, and that is, get ready for this, Adam, Mustafa Ali, who we just recently had on the show. With all the kayfabe breaking going on about man versus character, Mustafa Ali is the perfect bridge as a person of color, the son of immigrants, a former police officer, and a Muslim. The storyline could be about how Ali is the modern incarnation of the American dream, bringing real life into the ring. WWE is due for a historic WrestleMania in terms of diversity. You have Kofi Mania seemingly happening, women main eventing, and I think Ali could add to that. But here's the thing you don't have. Here's the thing. Oh, I read that wrong. Here's the thing. Uh, he says you don't have him win. You give Mustafa Ali the Austin Hart WrestleMania 13 booking and have him pass out without tapping. Bonus points if he blades, Omar says. Hell yeah, Omar. After giving Joe a hell of a fight and build around him an upper mid-card pure babyface over with everyone type of role. Also, whoever gets put on the mountain, he's talking about the state of combat Mount Rushmore with Tristan Adelano. He says Tristan should get the first shirts when we get our performance enhancing merchandise, maybe even custom ones if possible. Thank you, Omar, for joining the show in, in OG and old school. Adam, um, this is an interesting question because what the hell is Mustafa Ali going to do in WrestleMania considering the great story he just told about his real life on our show and everything that Omar just said about changing the stereotypes of Muslims and wrestlers of color would this have been a great time to do Samoa Joe Mustafa Ali and put him over as the uh, ultimate underdog babyface who won't quit? I mean, potentially. Um, I would. You'd have to have Joe win, but that would have worked. I would have been okay with that. That would have been a fine booking. I would accept it. I also think at this point, though, we're so close to Mania. He's in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and maybe he gets to a final two with Braun. And he gets a really good – we get a really good one-on-one -on -one match for a little bit between those two. And then Braun just tosses him like a ragdoll over the top. Would you be mad if he won the Andre the Job or if like the whole Battle Royal teamed up against Braun or the SNL guys came out to distract him? Oh, my God. Why am I saying that? No. <laughs> no. Um, no. If Mustafa won it, I, I think that would be great. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Right. Hey, I got one more quick DM on the way out here because I wanted to read this. And we don't have any other time in the show. I know we got to hurry. So real quick, another Australian, Mick Johnston. You know that dude, Adam? You mm -hmm. ever hear of him? Absolutely. Longtime Aussie. He's got a, he says, BC, I got to be serious here for a minute. After the terrorist attack in New Zealand last week, I was finding social media to be too much. So much hatred in the world being amplified and normalized through the echo chamber effect of these platforms. I had deleted Twitter off my phone and was ready to give it away. Then... I watched SmackDown on Tuesday. I wanted to enjoy the commentary you and the Silver King would provide and engage in some DM sliding about the five hours of my week I can enjoy to escape the real world. So here I am, back on Twitter, just to say thanks to you guys for bringing some entertainment to my week. I don't want to be too deep, so let me just finish by asking you this. In a, in a world of Cesaro, Rusev, Neville, Andrade, Rowan, etc., is Charlotte Flair the only wrestler in modern times to receive an additional name? I have to go back to the tag team High Voltage in late WCW when Rage and Chaos were randomly given first names. In all seriousness, no, keep it up, guys. You have a loyal fan base for a reason. Keep hitting those feel spots. Mick, thank you. Thank you. Times are crazy in the world today. Thank you for using this show as an escape from that. 
Adam, you're a stickler for names being added or deleted. Is Charlotte Flair the only one who had a name added on when she was originally Charlotte, where Vince is always taking away people's names? I certainly can't think of another scenario where someone had a name added. Was AJ ever AJ before AJ Lee? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's an interesting pickup there from Mick Johnson. I think Natalia was Natalia and may have added Neidhart and then had it removed. So that's possible. Um, I would guess it would be another woman. I wouldn't necessarily think – I can't think of men where that has occurred. Uh, but it's interesting. And But the other thing with Charlotte is everyone knew she was a flair. So, like, does that even really count? They just decided to actually – Use the name. Yeah, it was always there. The name was always Charlotte Flair. They just didn't announce her as it. You know what I mean? So even that is kind of, you know. All right. We got to roll out of here. There. Hero Zero number five here, Adam. We were angry that NXT's huge announcement was the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. But through the last two weeks of NXT TV, which I'll put out there in front and say I have not, I'm not caught up on, but I want to talk about this. They have put on some barn burners. Triple H tonight. As we record this Wednesday, we'll be addressing the state of the NXT title, and there's nothing but a women's match set in stone thus far for TakeOver New York, outside of BC spoiling it earlier. Hero or zero, that they will find a way still to make this NXT TakeOver incredible. I kind of spoiled your question there because I jumped ahead on spoilers, Adam. Yeah, this isn't even really a hero or zero because you can't even respond because you haven't watched the last two weeks of the best wrestling promotion in the world. So that's on you. Um, so you're saying the card's incredible. You and I are on a very similar wavelength when it comes to NXT. So if you think it's incredible, I'm sure I will too. So that's that part of the question. Yes. I I trust that Triple H and the NXT booking team, writing team, creative team will make TakeOver incredible regardless of what happened. But, and I'm not going to, because you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. The end of last week's edition of NXT, last week's episode, continued the Gargano champa storyline where it tells us as viewers yes this is the direction they were going to go for nxt takeover new york and seeing that angle already knowing that champa was having surgery and was out really devastated me at the end of last week's show it was tough because they did it so damn well and i hope by the end of today or maybe by the end of tomorrow bc you can watch two hours of nxt because if you do if you watch the last two hours of nxt three weeks ago you would see three amazing tag team matches on one show from the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Aleister Black and Ricochet against Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Mustache Mountain against the Street Profits. And DIY against Undisputed Era. All on one show. They also had a match with the Forgotten Sons. I don't even remember who they faced because the Forgotten Sons are forgettable. No pun intended. Just true. Don't care about these guys. They kind of suck. Um, and then last week on NXT, there were two good tag team matches, plus a women's angle that set up the match that you already know that's already been announced, this fatal four-way for the NXT Women's Championship. That's going to be awesome. And they gave us our, Gar- our Gargano Champa angle, again, that I won't spoil for you. NXT the last two weeks has been great. It looks like their previous plans were setting up for an epic takeover. I don't know what's about to happen now. I'm really excited. I can't wait to see what Triple H says on this edition tonight, Wednesday night. And I don't know where we're going to go. I am completely in the dark about NXT. No spoilers for the Silver King. Take me to Brooklyn. I'm ready. I'm so excited. Let's go. Yeah, I'm going to catch up. I promise. We're going to have chats leading up to this TakeOver card. But as I've seen already, oh, my God, it is hot. Freaking fire. Now tell me who's the fruit boo 
Yes, John. Yes. All right. That'll wrap up the show, except for these field spots on the way out. Adam, what touched you in a weird way this week or a good way? So it's a really minor thing. Okay. So about 10-ish years ago or however many years ago, when they ran the Randy Orton Kofi storyline on Raw, right, that included the, the situation with the car where Kofi's standing on top of it. He drops paint on it. It was a really cool moment. We thought Kofi Kingston was going to get elevated into a main event situation. Well, Kofi was in a match with Randy Orton, and Kofi screwed up. He botched a spot. And Randy, in non-kayfabe, just stared at Kofi in the ring and yelled, stupid, right at him. And it's a famous clip. You can find it online. He just gave Kofi the business. Well, Tuesday night on SmackDown, while fighting Kofi, Randy, there, there was a moment outside, I think it was by the barricade. He threw him into the barricade, did something. He yelled, stupid, right at him. It was a perfect callback. <laughs> I went back and watched the clip. Randy Orton was wearing the same ring gear no as he way. was at, as he was in that match feel spot activated randy orton at his best is still one of the best very good wow wow i like that i like that a lot yeah, yeah good pickup on there i love when they do reward you and connect those dots all the way back on something shout out to wwe my feel spot's a weird one this week i i was traveling to la for some uh pbc boxing work had a lot of time there's a jericho podcast from a month ago it's about five six episodes ago that was a weird one. He recorded it after the AEW Jacksonville original rally, which he appeared at as a surprise at the end to announce he had signed. It's the first podcast in Jericho's history of Talk is Jericho that he did alone with no guest. He did an hour straight. It's hot friggin' fire. The point of the podcast is to explain why he came to AEW and all the deep-rooted reasons and all the details. He exposed a lot of details about his interaction with Vince and WWE throughout the process of him signing with NJPW and being back and forth. That was very interesting, and it really spelt out how, I want to say, underappreciated Jericho felt he was by WWE while being so upfront with them because he respects Vince and thinks he's a genius, that eventually he would pitch these ideas. Vince wanted to get back to him. Vince would offer him things and then not get back to him. And it got to a point where one of the main reasons why Jericho chose AEW full-time was because the offer was obscene and ridiculous because WWE turned down matching that offer, but also because he felt like WWE was just treating him like another name at a time when he felt he had a ton of value. So it was very interesting. But the thing I really liked about it Jericho goes long and deep on the revolution in that and sort of preaching what AEW might be. And if you're a mark like me for what the future of competitive wrestling could be, it has to fire you up. And Jericho makes a few random offhanded comments, including one of, yeah, I'm going to miss my brothers backstage at WWE when I join AEW, but I guarantee you a lot of them will be joining me. I thought that was very, very interesting yeah. jericho jericho says a lot of things but uh... i i did hear that note i did hear that episode like a week after it came out i didn't have the same takeaway from you i actually took away that he was very respectful for vince to vince and then he told a lot of truths that people misunderstood that people thought that like they were on the outs because jericho did x y and z but jericho appreciated that vince still had interest in him but the angle that i took from it was it wasn't a lack of respect or it wasn't appreciation or anything like that he just knew that if he went to wwe he wasn't going to be in the title picture he wasn't going to be in main events he was just going to be a really solid guy who got featured all the time and more importantly than that that they would want the list character back they wanted that jericho with the scarf they didn't want 
the new Jericho that he created, which he felt creatively has he has longer to go with, he can get more creative with, and he can just be. He wants to be that guy. So it I didn't feel so much that it was a disrespect or it was a lack of use or a lack of listening to his ideas because he knows the the dynamic with Vince. He talks about it all the time. Sometimes Vince listens, sometimes he doesn't. But he, if he has enough respect for you, he actually listens. Whereas other people, he doesn't even listen to at all. So what I took from it was the opposite. I took that he felt he was needed in AEW, but only just wanted in WWE. That's a fair representation of it. And I didn't mean to put it out there like Jericho felt he was wronged. But he felt like maybe they did He didn't... deserved more at, from the caliber of stars. Yes, yeah, so he he, he yeah. went in deep about how he originally was going to wrestle Taker in Saudi Arabia, and then Vince pulled him once once Vince found out that he was going to do another NJPW match. There's a lot of those intricate details that were interesting. Jericho offered the idea of doing a SummerSlam IC title versus IC title against Rollins, bringing in the NJPW That's title. That's the one that Vince never got back to, Mom. Yeah. That never, that never would have happened in a million years. I know. It was a little wishful thinking, but but it's all very interesting in the end. It got me fired up for AEW at a time when we're waiting on the TV announcement, when we're waiting on some things. It got me fired back up where I need to be. Let's do it. Let's roll the dice. Look, again, whether they fail in a blaze of glory, it's better for all of us. So get on board and enjoy what we're about to see. Get some pock in your life because Neville's about to change the world. So before we close out, let's preview what's ahead on State of Combat. Without, We don't want to give too much away, right? But major Road to WrestleMania, WWE interviews. I think we're probably, I didn't even discuss this with you beforehand, but tell me if, if you want to do this. Uh, our NXT preview podcast, TakeOver, that we did separately a year ago, if, if we want to do that. Um, and regarding merch, just a quick announcement from me. Uh, there is no announcement. That's really it. Uh, it will not happen before WrestleMania. I tried very hard. BC knows how hard I tried. I'm, will, I'm still trying to work on something at some point soon. It was too tight of a window. Couldn't happen. Uh, but we're still going to be in New York, and we're going to be really excited to be there. And I think our schedule's cleared up a little bit, more than we expected. People want to drink beers with us in New York, these these listeners, these fans, these State of Combat marks. Should we Should we do something at McSorley's? Is that the place to do this at? I don't know if that's necessarily the place. It could be. We should, we should figure something out. Maybe Because, look, obviously there's going to be, I would guess, a couple hundred at least of our listeners that'll be in new york for that weekend trying to be conservative here in my guess you know knowing our, our listenership a lot of people travel for this thing so the potential if it's really if it's really going to be a couple hundred we probably should have tried to do a show which uh, that's it, it's a gamble. it's a gamble i know it's a gamble but I, what i'm saying is even if we get 10 15 of our listeners to show up have a cold one talk wrestling we can you know we could also pinpoint if there's like a day that we want to go to access we can kind of say, hey, we're going to be at Access this day. So stay tuned for all this from, from us. Um, I'll talk to BC offline. We'll actually get a real schedule and tell you what we're going to do and where we're going to be. But we have already locked up. And I, when I say we, you know I mean the Silver King has locked up some big-time interviews, including one with BC that you are not going to want to miss the Thursday before WrestleMania. It's massive. I told you we were going to get this interview a couple weeks ago. It didn't happen. Well, now it's going to happen. I got three PC words for you. On your TV. Boogenhagen, right? That's what we're <laughs> going with this? Maybe Boogenhagen. We might be able to do that. All right. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Hey, that's the show for this week. Follow us everywhere you, you we told you you should. All that good stuff. Check out our box and MMA editions as well. Uh, Adam, anything else? That's it. I'm good. 
All right, why don't we get out of here? Why don't we, you know, say goodbye? Why don't we, uh, yeah, yeah, right? Let's do that. Interview. Interview's over. You understand? Done. We out.